Can I be more imaginative? Well, if you've ever had that thought, stick around. We're going to talk about that and more. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, what do you think? Can you be more imaginative? Is that something you can nurture and become more of? Or is it one of those things where either you have it or you don't? Well, you know where I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I think you can nurture that. I think you can increase your imagination and benefit as a result of that. Well, our sponsor today is Harry's. Harry's.com, where I get my razors. I'll be telling you about some of their new products here in just a little bit. Stick around. Here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. Got some really interesting ones. You know, we always say that, and you probably get tired of hearing me say that they're interesting questions, but I tell you, I couldn't dream up the kind of things that you all share. I love going through the interesting situations that gives us all a chance to kind of unpack them and figure out what would we do? How can we take advantage of this rather than feeling victimized by it? How about this one? Dan, I feel called to ministry, but really want to be a firefighter. Ooh, I can't wait to get to that one. Well, here's one left over from last week that I never got to where somebody said, I just got fired and I feel like my whole world is crumbling. And how can I find positive role models for my students? Can I coach from a foreign country? And what's the most common struggle you see in beginning entrepreneurs and how do you help them overcome it? Do you believe people can find value in any passion? Well, those are the questions and more. But tell you what, here's our quotation for the day, which comes from Mark Twain, who said, you can't depend on your judgment when your imagination is out of focus. Again, a thought about imagination. You can't depend on your judgment when your imagination is out of focus. You know, sometimes we don't embrace the wonder. That's kind of my phrase for the year, savor the wonder. But yes, we, we try to make everything so small that we can understand it. Well, if we close it down our imagination, our dreaming, all of a sudden, life doesn't have a whole lot of mystery, mag- magical wonder to it. So don't do that. Well, Harry's is our sponsor today, harrys.com. You can go there, use 48 days as the code to get $5 off your purchase. Got all, hearing from a whole lot of people who are excited about the new handle. We asked, they did. We were telling them that people thought there ought to be a non-slip handle. Well, they've done exactly that. So they've continued in the vein of staying on the cutting edge, so to speak. Literally, I guess, have people who are always surprised about what kind of shave they're getting. They, they think it's just somebody promoting a new a new brand. But no, it really is a razor that I believe in. Harrys.com. Use 48 days as a code to get $5 off your first purchase. Get the Truman handle. That's the new one that is has the rubberized grip on it, so it won't slip as much. Ariel asks this. Well, let me, let me do this one right off the bat. Dan, I just got fired from my company. I use to do audits. I'm an accountant. Of course, I feel like the whole world is crumbling upon me, but I'm sure everything will be okay. I want to move to New York City. Since I got fired, I'm afraid it would be hard to get a new job. 
what would be your advice right now? I'm not a CPA yet. I was on a road you said, said I had a pain in my stomach just at the thought of going to the office, and I feel like I predicted this. I have no savings and really don't want to apply for unemployment. Sorry if it doesn't make much sense. I'm feeling a lot of emotions and feel lost, empty, and numb right now. Thanks for all your help. Well, golly, Ariel, that, I, I understand the, the feelings, the the sense that your world is crumbling around you. But here's here, let me just kind of break down some of the questions you're answering. You want to move to New York City, but since you got fired, you're afraid it'd be hard to get a new job. Getting fired has virtually no bearing on your ability to get a new job. You do a job search exactly the same. You can show where you work exactly the same. I mean, here's the deal. If people call your last employer, that employer is not going to say, oh, man, what a jerk. You know, absolutely no way to give that person a job. No, they aren't going to say that. There's too much litigation. Those people will verify your years of employment there. End of story. That's all they'll do. They are not going to get a negative report on you. Plus, companies know that good people get fired every day. I mean, it, it doesn't, it, it's not a direct reflection on your competence or ability. You still can make a case for why you're a good candidate. And if you want to go to New York City, use the time that you have now to make the transition and go there. Well, and, and you're right. If you said that you had a pain in your stomach, just the thought of going to the office, you certainly had a prediction that this was going to occur. If you have that pain in your stomach, you can't be your best when you go, obviously. And uh, it was probably double-sided. They probably recognized it wasn't a good fit for you for whatever reasons. So if that's the case, be ready to move on. Now, I want to talk a little bit about just this idea of failure. Okay, you got fired. It's a red flag on your resume. You failed. One more time. No, don't see it as such. You know how I frame this kind of an event. Not as failure, but as something else. When you try something, if it's a new job, if it's a new business, whatever it is, if you try to scale a mountain and you don't make it, the job doesn't work out, the business fails. You, you get sick, altitude sickness at 20,000 feet and come back down. It's not a matter of you lost, you failed. There are only two outcomes possible. Either you win or you learn. This is one of those situations where you learn. You learn from that. Now, there's a whole lot of information out there about how we can handle adversity differently, how we can see adversity as a learning experience, how we can see the opportunity for it to open us up to something new rather than seeing it as a failure. If, if, you, wanna, if you really want to watch, see the significance of adversity, Failure, defeat, or whatever you want to call it, which sometimes really crush human beings. Watch nature at work. Nature uses illness to break the physical rhythm of the body when the cells and organs are not lined up properly. Nature uses economic depressions to break the rhythm of mass thought when a whole lot of people become improperly um, you know, when they're doing things they shouldn't be doing in real estate or banking or whatever, nature has a correction of that. Uses that failure or whatever you want to see, that adversity, to break that rhythm so that we have an opportunity to take a fresh look. I mean, it's always what happens. 
when if it's the 1929 world depression that there needed to be some changes people were trying to make money from nothing they were speculating things were going crazy the same thing happened a few years ago with real estate and real estate prices got way out of whack and people were getting 100% mortgages on properties where they were paying too much they were upside down in the property's real value from day one. It needed to be corrected. The correction, did it hurt a lot of people? Yeah, absolutely. Did it need to happen? Yes. And if we take the same view personally, something was not right. Now, you've already identified that, Ariel, and your statement about the fact it was making you sick to go to work. Yeah, you needed to either quit or get fired. In this case, you got fired. Fantastic. That adversity you know, helps us get rid of any vanity or egotism it, it discourages selfishness it promotes cooperation with other people you've had a chance to make a fresh start i would encourage you just to see it as such well speaking of fresh i want to also tell you about my friends at fresh books i talked about them a couple weeks ago and continue to get questions about that but fresh books if you go to freshbooks.com 48 days you'll see a special offer there to use their system. Now, this is a system of accounting, creating beautiful invoices for all of your customers. It it just it takes about 30 seconds to create and send an invoice, and they are gorgeous. I inquired about the company because I started receiving invoices from vendors, people that were doing web design, cover design, other kind of services for us, and I realized there was a common thread. They're using FreshBooks. So go there, check it out, freshbooks.com slash 48 days. Now, John says, I host a weekly leadership podcast targeted to small town and church, rural pastors and leaders. It's called the Small Town Big Church Podcast. That's cool. Wow. Small Town Big Church Podcast and can be found at my website, johnsanders.org. It's John with a, just J O N, sanders.org. He says, Dan, I'm a full time pastor of a growing multi site church in rural South Dakota. I left a career as a firefighter to go into ministry 12 years ago. Now, listen carefully here. I want you to really pay attention to how this is phrased. John says, I left a career as a firefighter to go into ministry 12 years ago. While I absolutely love being a pastor, I've often felt a strong pull back toward the fire service. Last year, I saw a window of opportunity open that would allow me the chance to work as a firefighter once again, in addition to continuing on as the lead pastor of my church. God used your podcast as one of the several positive voices in my ear that encouraged me to step out and follow my heart and believe him for the unique story he's writing with my life. Now, in addition to leading an incredible church, I'm also a firefighter for the Sioux Falls Fire and Rescue. Thanks for all you do. Well, here, here so so the, the, the tension that you described, John, is between you know, being called to ministry, so you're a pastor, but still having something that is calling you to be a firefighter. Do you think that perhaps one is from God and one is from something else? You know, it's easy to frame this as thinking, well, you know, the call to ministry is from God and the other one to be a firefighter is probably just my own selfish desires. Why do we segment so quickly one as being spiritual and one as being secular now here's what i want you to do to remove totally the tension of trying to do both i want you simply to see both as legitimate ministry 
being a pastor of a church is is not a higher call to ministry than being a great firefighter. Think about the opportunities that firefighters have in crisis situations to provide hope and encouragement and support and, you know, deal with tough situations, unexpected things that people are dealing with. What an opportunity for ministry. You know, I should have pulled up the idea of uh, the definition of ministry, but certainly, I mean, you can be in full-time ministry as a firefighter. Now, I'm not, it sounds like you've worked out a balance here, so you don't have to leave being pastor of a church Either way, which is great, but both of those are legitimate opportunities for ministry. We have to get rid of this idea that if we're in ministry, we're a teacher, pastor, evangelist only. No, if you you can be in full-time ministry, especially if you sense that call, like you described wanting to be a firefighter. When you sense that call, trust that as being from God, just as much so as if you sense a call to be a pastor, teacher, evangelist, or missionary. I mean, the, we, we need people who are fully called, equipped with God's gifts to be physicians, surgeons, dentists, accountants, engineers, plumbers, electricians. I've got some guys at my house right now that are building a little bridge in our sidewalk. It's really cool. It's going to have like a dry creek running underneath it. When I see the rock work that they are doing, I mean, I'm totally 100% confident. And even in talking to them, it's confirmed. You know, that's God's gift to them. They're called to do that. The beauty they're creating, my goodness, it would be a travesty for them to move away from that and try to force themselves to be a pastor or evangelist or a missionary. No, they need to be a stone layer because that's God's gift and they do it with beauty. Well, let me move on. Dan, everybody has a passion. Do you believe people can find value in all those passions? Well, in any, in any passion, essentially. Do I believe people can find value in any passion? Yes, absolutely. Value, yes, in what it adds to our lives. But I think your question probably is a little bit different than that. You're probably asking, do I think people can find monetary value in any passion? Can they find money? Maybe. It takes a clear plan to find that sweet convergence of passion, talent, and money. So there are a lot of people who have passion who have never created any kind of a plan by which to have an economic model or create money with that. They just have a passion. And even if you have passion and talent, and you've heard me talk about what that is, if you have passion and talent, but no market for that, you have a hobby. So you can still, it can still bring you value in terms of the personal joy that it can bring, but it may never create a penny for you. But you have to have a plan. If it's going to engage, fully blend, passion, talent, and money. I mean, to me, that is the sweet spot. That is where you experience your calling, your destiny, your purpose, your mission, when those things come together. Now, speaking of that, Chris Gilbu has a brand new book out titled Born for This, where he talks about these very things. Born for This. I had a chance to catch up with Chris this week to talk about this. How does somebody get a sense that this is what they were born to do? Then I've got some other examples, some really cool examples I want to talk to you about. Uh, little businesses that people are doing where they realize they are born for this. But let, let me just bring in Chris here for the interview that I caught him for this week. 
Well, Chris, it's a delight to have you on today. I know we've been friends for some time. Uh, had a great time here when you released The Art of Nonconformity. Had a fun night out here under the stars, as I recall, when that book came out. Then you had the $100 startup, and now you've got this new one born for this. So congratulations on continuing to offer great information for uh, the world. Well, thank you so much, Dan, and it's a big honor to be back on the show. I think we've done this maybe three times at least, if not more, and it's always great to connect with your community. I meet up with uh, many of them around around the country and even around the world as I travel. People say that they've heard about me through you, and I really, really appreciate that. Well, hey, it's fun to have those connections and fun to just uh, share ideas and resources, which is what we certainly do. Uh, what you've got here, Born for This, your new book, uh, certainly is in my sweet spot, helping mm-hmm. people understand that. Uh, you've got two major sections of the book. You know, first, how to clarify what you want and how to get it, and then the second section, how to put legs on that with meaningful and productive work. Well, you know, we know that covers a spectrum of right. what work would look like. You say in the book that you can have a regular job. You know, sometimes when we talk about doing what you're really born for, people just assume you've got to be an entrepreneur. You've got to go out there right. and just pull out all the stops and do something totally on your own. You say very clearly you can have a regular job and be doing what you were born to do. Not everyone needs to be an entrepreneur. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I have my own bias toward entrepreneurship as well, just because that's what I've always done, you know. But uh, as, I, as I've been doing this kind of work for a while and talking with people, you know, as I said, all over the world from different backgrounds, uh, kind of looking at how people have found or created their dream job, you know, some of them do find that through entrepreneurship or starting something of their own. But a lot of them actually find that within an organization or within a company. And I talked, you know, for example, with the, the first female firefighter in Ontario, Canada, who, you know, kind of broke through that, that field 20 years ago. And she's been a firefighter for 23 years now. Talks about how m- meaningful and purposeful that work is. And all of us could look at it from the outside and say, well, of course, that's meaningful work. You know, she's, she's saving lives, literally. And, you know, you can't be a freelance firefighter, right? If, you're, if your dream is to be a firefighter, you know, you have to kind of go through a structure and discipline. So, and not just being a firefighter, but lots of people, you know, do prefer a more collaborative environment. Um, do you prefer working with people? Do you prefer a more regular schedule? So it really just depends on who you are and helping people understand, okay, what is best for me? You know, what are the best working conditions? What is the best work? How do I put these things together to create something that, that is truly special, that is kind of the work that I was, I was born to do? So there's more than one way, I think, to find that. And, and that's, that's one of the things that I discovered through the research for this book. Uh, great point. I love that example. Yeah, you aren't going to be a freelance <laughs> firefighter. And if that's what you were born to do, then join an organization where you get to do that. That's right. You know, my dad also worked in the space industry, and uh, you know, he was an aerospace engineer, like supporting the astronauts and supporting the space shuttle. And it's, it's the same kind of thing. You know, you can't really be a freelance <laughs> astronaut, you know, um, but, but NASA is doing some cool stuff. So it just depends on, on who you are. Uh, now, so I've got a follow up to that then, Chris. Mm-hmm. If you have a job and have no interest in starting your own business, you say that it's still important to understand that you're essentially self-employed. Mm-hmm. Now help us frame why it's so important to see that in today's workplace. You know, I use this phrase, Dan, the self-employed employee. And kind of what I'm referring to is, you know, if you are an employee, that's great. If you like your job and you plan to continue on this track, no problem. But you should think of yourself as kind of leasing out your talents to this company or this organization for a fixed period of time. 
And it doesn't mean you're not going to do a great job for them. You, in fact, you are going to do a great job for them. You're going to add lots of value, you know, help advance your career as well. But you're also going to be focused on what am I going to do to improve my own career? You know, what, what's next for me? How can I build something on the side? Um, how can I, you know, improve the kind of skills I need that will help me succeed in different environments? Uh, so at the same time you're working in a company, you're also kind of looking out for yourself. And as for why it's pertinent in today's you know, market, I think there are, there are two answers to it. And one, you know, kind of focuses a little bit on some negative things, which, which are a reality. And the negative is that the job market is really difficult these days. And a lot of people are competing, you know, for a, a small amount or a small number of, of really great positions. But maybe the positive is, you know, even though that's true, it's also true that there's more possibility and more opportunity than there ever has been before, you know, to do all kinds of things, whether in traditional work or through entrepreneurship or through some kind of hybrid model, which lots of people are choosing these days. So I think the more that you can think of yourself as, okay, I am self-employed one way or another, and I'm going to find my work, you know, by creating it myself or going to work for someone else, or maybe even creating a position within a company or an organization, which I saw some people do that I thought was really interesting. Uh, absolutely. Well, that, that can give you a lot of insulation when you see yourself as self-employed. So you don't know, feel like you're captive to a company. You know what your unique value is and can make a lateral move or, or move up if the situation should arise. Yep, yep. Now, toward the end of the book, you, you make a pretty radical uh, recommendation. You say make a commitment to resign your job every year <laughs> where you really take a fresh look at identifying, is that the best fit for you at that given time? I right, love right. that concept. <laughs> Tell us how to do that. Sure, sure. So when I say resign your job every year, I, I don't necessarily mean it literally, but but I, I, I do like the idea of saying, okay, every, you know, whatever the fixed period is, maybe it's a calendar year, maybe it's a year from when I start something, you know, I, I am actually going to, to commit to myself that I am going to evaluate, you know, is this the right thing for me? And if it is, that's great. That's wonderful. I can proceed with the confidence, you know, knowing that I'm not going to regret something. I don't have to worry that the grass is greener somewhere else. Um, but if it's not the right thing, then I'm going to commit to making changes and I'm going to commit to kind of building a bridge to whatever is the right thing. And, and by the way, like we don't always know what the right thing is, you know, and what I found through all the research I did was that most successful people in life, they didn't follow a linear path. You know, they actually went a lot of different directions and, and eventually they kind of honed in on something and they focused, but they didn't always know from the beginning. And they, they also kind of weren't afraid to take a step back and if something didn't work out, try something different. Absolutely. Well, we hear a lot about the kind of skills you need to have to be successful today. We're enamored with technology and certainly with social media, you know, knowing how to use Facebook ads and all the tricks and out there. You say that improving soft skills can increase your value no matter what kind of career you have. Mm -hmm. What are some examples of soft skills? Yes. So first we should mention hard skills because th these are the skills that most people focus on when they think, okay, I'm going to you know, improve my skills. Hard skills are kind of the technical skills that you need to do your job, the kind of things that you learned in college or whatever education you had, uh, the kind of things that you learn kind of on the job. So you know, if you're a programmer or you're an engineer or a developer, you learn these programming languages. You know, those are hard skills. If you're a nurse, you learn nursing skills and so on. And what I found was really important is that uh, soft skills – Things like communication, things like the ability to speak well, to write well, things like the ability to follow up, 
to follow through, to be that person in a meeting when there's lots of ideas going around that actually captures those ideas and goes away and makes things, something happen instead of coming back a week later and everybody's like, oh, we had some ideas, but nothing actually came of it. So improving all of those things, improving negotiation, your ability to advance your position without necessarily making the other person or the other party feel bad. So you can improve these skills in, in any field, regardless of your profession. And what I saw is that improving these skills really help you stand out because the thing with technical skills is, you know, there's always going to be someone who can be better than you. Like it's an arms race. I mean, someone else can learn another programming language. You know, someone else can, can go further on that technical side. But, you know, when there's a pool of qualified people, uh, the person who stands out is the one who has the better soft skills. Uh, we, we've seen a resurgence of right brain skills where mm -hmm. those things that are even more artistic, creative are are valued, but certainly the personal skills, as you describe them, so, so important. Absolutely. Now, you, you talk about, and I, I love this, uh, kind of a contrarian position, winners never <laughs> quit is a misguided assumption. <laughs> That's wow. right. I think, uh, I think winners <laughs> quit all the time. And, uh, you know, we have this, um, this entrepreneurial mindset, which, which in general is a, is a good mindset uh, in America and in just kind of Western thought. And it's, it's all about pioneering and initiating things and starting things. And that's great. Uh, but maybe where I think it goes too far is this notion that persistence is the most important quality of success and that, you know, you should never give up on something. And if something isn't working out, you should just kind of double down and, and keep going. And, you know, when, when I mention successful people, I don't just mean wealthy people. I don't mean people with high status, although I talk to a lot of those people too, but it's people who are really living this purposeful life, who really were happy and they did have all the money that they needed for, you know, what was important to them and they were using their skills in a unique way. You know, they, they actually weren't afraid at all to give up on something. And in fact, they had given up many times. And so, you know, I talked to one person, for example, who had built, you know, multiple successful businesses, you know, highly successful businesses. But the very first one that he attempted was a complete failure. And he tried for two years, maybe three years to make it a success before he kind of walked away from it. And at first he was really discouraged. But then, of course, he went on and started something else that was very successful. And then something after that that was very successful. If you had said to him, you know, with the first business in year two or year three, never give up, you know, just just keep going. That would have been terrible advice. Like the best thing for him to do is just to, to give that up and to find something else. So I do think you should try, try again, but I think you should try again in a different way. I think, you know, you can't keep doing the same thing if it's not working. Successful people are willing to take a step back and try something else. You know, so often we identify quitting with failure and it really is not. When we look at the path of success, there's really only two options available when you try something. Either you win or you mm -hmm. learn. Right, and right. Oh, I like that. That's good. That, that learning is so important to open the door for the next thing that may, in fact, be successful. Yeah, so well, you should think of it as an investment, you know, quitting as an investment. Absolutely. Part mm -hmm. of our education. Well, I know you're, what you're going to respond to this, but, you know, I want, you to, I want them to hear it from you. Is uh -huh. it really possible for somebody to identify what they were born for and then expect to make a living from that? You know, I feel like this is a question for you, Dan, because this is the kind of work that you've been doing for decades, and I'm just following in your footsteps. And every time I come on the, the, the show, you're always so gracious and generous, you know, to mention my books or things. But I've learned from people who've gone before, including you. So, so I, I, my answer would be yes, it is possible. And, and that, that, you know, part of the reason why I use a case study method is to look at a lot of different people from different backgrounds. And for the most part, I'm, I'm not looking at famous people or celebrities or people that are, are kind of, you know, unrelatable. I'm looking at real people who've done real things and they have had struggles and they have had mistakes, but yet, you know, they've been able to kind of see it through. 
and they have found the work they were going to do. So I think it's possible. What do you think? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you, you know where I'm going to go with. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I don't care if it's if, if you were born to grow dandelions. We can figure out a way to make a living from that. No Absolutely. problem at all. That's great. Well, the book is Born for This. Where can people find more information about it, Chris? Yeah, thanks, Dan. They can just go to bornforthisbook.com. They can learn about the book, my tour, lots of other fun stuff. Well, you've always got a lot of bonus material and study guides and helps to understand it. I highly recommend Born for This, excited about it. It's just come out, just released. Uh, Chris, I know you're going to be doing a a tour, as you always do with your new books, which is uh, just a cool thing to do. You're known for that. I know you're going to be in Nashville. We're excited Mm -hmm. about that. That's right. But a lot of other places as well, so people can go on the site, Born for This, find out where you're going to be and get a chance to come up and shake your hand and pick your brain a little bit more. That would be awesome. And if you, you happen to do that as a listener, uh, definitely tell me that you heard about it from Dan, and then I can appreciate him as well. Oh, that'd be great. Well, Chris, congratulations on another great book, and uh, thanks for sharing this time with us. Thank you so much, Dan. Well, there you go. As you know, um, I don't do long interviews with other people, but when I think it has value, I'll have to insert little things like that. Chris, when he first came out with The Art of Nonconformity, I read that book on a flight from Denver back to here, immediately got in contact with him. We got together and did a little promo for him here. We had about, he, he was, that was his very first book, and he was having very small crowds show up for his book signings. But we had about 130 people show up on a cold November night, headed outside at a bonfire. Uh, that's more than our sanctuary can hold, but we had an absolute blast with that. And delighted to see him coming back with another one following up uh, the $100 startup and now Born for This. Now, speaking of Born for This, you know, we've got Innovate coming up. Uh, I'm delighted to get the notes from people who say they're coming. Um, you know, I just, last in last week's show, talked about uh, Jim Judge, Jim and Tiffany, who've been here for events before. They're coming back for that. So we're hearing from a lot of old friends who are going to be here for Innovate, but that's going to be a conference we brought back, two-day event, Thursday, Friday, May 26th, 27th, to help you take your creative ideas and put legs on them. Now, we're going to have a lot of examples there. Now, I know you all love child entrepreneurs. You always like it when I share stories about what children are doing as entrepreneurs. And one of our presenters here is going to be my granddaughter, Clara, who's eight years old, who with her grandma, my wife, Joanne, They have a brand new book out, and we'll have copies of it by then. It's titled, What If It Were Possible? And not only is it a delightful little book, but it also is a message, you know, what's holding you back? What if it were possible? Things are more possible than what you think. So we're going to hear from Joanna and Clara at Innovate. We're going to hear from Bob Baker, who is the author of The Empowered Artist. Probably has a stronger voice in helping artists, and by that I mean, you know, visual artists, musicians, sculptors, comedians, whatever, helping them market what they're doing than anybody around. So Bob will be here. Debbie Dearman is going to be here. Debbie has been a musician writing songs and performing for years until recently, a few years ago, lost her voice. And she's going to talk about finding your creative voice. Has a remarkable story about knowing that her singing voice was gone but she found a new creative voice through her art and has an amazing story about what happened there. Also be hearing from Jared, my son, who lives a very creative life. He and his family live in Nosara, 
Costa Rica, look it up on a map. You'll see that it's a pretty cool place to be, right on the ocean side, well, on the Pacific side, down in Costa Rica. They live there. They live a very creative life, and you'll find out how they're able to do that. Now, just today, um, there was news that came out that there's a little gal, Michaela Ulmer, 11 years old. She launched Be Sweet. It's a flaxseed-based lemonade that uses local bees' honey. She just landed a multimillion-dollar deal with Whole Foods to distribute her lemonade to 55 different locations. I love those kind of ideas. Malaya's a little African-American girl who, when she was 10 years old, was on Shark Tank, and Damon John invested $60,000 for a 25% stake in her business. And she went on from there, and together, of course, Damon John, doesn't hurt, hurt to have him on your team, and now she's got a multi-million dollar deal with Whole Foods at 11 years old. I mean, how, how cool is that, to have that kind of an idea? Now, ideas don't need to grow big that quickly. You may have heard me talk about Kiva, K-I-V-A, Kiva.org. It's an organization that makes microloans to people starting businesses around the world. I love doing that. I'm going to tell you about some loans that I just made. Now, we're talking really big dollars here. Here's a gentleman, Marvin Jose, in Nicaragua. I made him a $25 loan to buy motorcycle tires, rims, and spokes. Now, I'm, I'm drawn to, you know, the mechanical kind of things that I see people doing, especially things that are connected with cars. And so I invest in those businesses. But these are people where, you know, a $200 total loan can make a dramatic difference and how they can get positioned, and then they repay the money. Now, here's what I did with Kiva. Probably three or four years ago, I put in, I think, $200 total. And then I had the pleasure of saying, okay, let's give this guy $25. This gal, I had one gal that I made like a $50 loan to get another washing machine, and she effectively had a laundromat in her little town, the only one with a washing machine. And she would rent it out for people to do laundry. And, but the reason I've been doing this for four years with my $200 is because people pay back 100% of the money. They pay it back. So I get notices, hey, here, you know, Marvin just paid back $1.38 on the $25 or whatever. So that's how it comes back in. But I just made these three new loans, Jesus Antonio and San Miguel El Salvador. I made him a $25 loan to buy a sewing machine to make, to better, to make better pants and shirts. He's a tailor. He's doing that. Newman Elias in San Salvador. I, I made a $50 loan to buy carburetors, brake pads, cables, packing, etc. to stock his automotive shop. There are so many ways to start with what you have and build from there. That's all we're talking about. How do you start with what you have, what God's given you, the resources you have in your hand? Start with that and move forward. Well, they join us at Innovate. They, we're going to be hearing a lot of stories like that and be talking to people who have taken simple ideas and turned them into very effective, very productive businesses. Now, I've got two questions here that are tied together. Not quite sure what to make of it. I haven't really decided yet how I'm going to respond exactly. But Kyle says, Dan, I love the podcast. Thanks for everything you do. Amazon recently started a new program called Merch, M-E-R-C-H, by Amazon that allows sellers to upload designs, then as shirts t sell, Amazon will print the shirt and ship it to the customer. 
Now, this is much like Zazzle and some others have been doing for years. But Amazon, in their quest to take over the entire world, apparently, in terms of commerce, uh, they're doing that. So it's a new program. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. So Kyle saying I could upload. I'm wondering if you'd be interested in having 48 Days T-shirts. I could upload the designs. You could link to them on your store page. You would get your Amazon affiliate fee. We could discuss any payment on top of that if you'd like. It would be a way for you to offer shirts without any cost to you. I was thinking your logo, maybe a quote. Um, maybe the one about not being able to tell if you're working or playing. Let me know if you'd be interested. Thanks for your consideration. Okay, that's Kyle. I got another one here. I got several, but anyway, Jeremy says, um, I've been getting out of debt for the last three years, 70,000 student loan and about 15,000 medical. Last year, I sold $12,000 on eBay and about 6000 on Amazon. It's really helping out. My wife is even starting to stay home with our kids. I've started to ramp up the side gigs. Now, so I'm dropping down on his question here. Please don't discount my question because I added this, but I thought I would give it a shot. I got approved for MerchAmazon.com. Uh, since I've been approved, I've been coming up with different designs, and I made some money with it. I noticed you don't offer any T-shirts on your site. I did not want to just make one similar to the 48 Days logo without asking first. Please let me know if you're okay with that. I'm not asking for any handouts, just asking if you would allow me to work my tail off and sell some shirts. And he has a design here with a really cool eagle with the 48 Days words inside of that. Well, this is kind of a slippery slope. I mean, I you know that I'm very, very open to helping other people with their business ideas. But this also, and, and I am totally enamored with your ability to get designs out there and just sell shirts. I love the idea. So if it's your designs, you come up with really cool things or really cool sayings, I'm 100% for that. It's different when you start using the 48 days logo or using 48 days period. That is trademark. I mean, I have a very broad trademark on 48 days. Anything connected with that, that's a direct reflection on my business. That I'm not okay with just somebody doing whatever they want to do. That really opens a can of worms. So I, I really want to be in the loop. I don't mind reviewing and approving something that you would do that has 48 days on it. But I want it to be really high quality, classy. You know, I, I there's a whole lot of things that I would not approve of. So if you want to use 48 days, please, Kyle, Jeremy, and all the rest of you, run those things by me. Because if we see things out there, and this does show up very quickly, you know, with search engines we got in place, if we see things out there that are using the 48 days, that obviously refer to me without my permission, yeah, we're going to ask you to stop that. So just don't waste your time doing that. But uh, again, if you want to work with us, I mean, I had a young lady who just wrote a children's book using 48 days, using the, you gave Aristotle the name as the eagle that we have out here, and he was the guide to teach little kids about business. It was beautifully done, and I totally embraced her doing that. We're just going to have those printed, Love, love, love what she's doing. But uh, just be courteous here if you're going to actually use the 48 days name or logo. Now, this comes from Eric, who says, I have a humble request for you. My name is Eric Andrus. I'm a passionate high school teacher from Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
I was recently exposed to your work via the Zig Ziglar show. I was inspired and moved by the good work that you do in the world. Thanks for what you do. At the beginning of the school year, I did an informal survey with my students to see where they were standing academically and in more general terms, where they were with their lives. The results were heartbreaking. A vast majority of my students reported that they did not have positive adult role models in their lives and that they had profound deficits in their knowledge about nutrition, emotional well-being, and the importance of purposeful direction in their lives. So I have decided to do something about it, and that is where I would humbly like to make a request of you. I have started a podcast for my students entitled How to Be a Grown-Up. I'm interviewing teachers, colleagues, artists, and leaders in their respective fields to be able to provide my students with a weekly 30-minute podcast that teaches them important positive lessons that I want them to be able to take and incorporate into their daily lives. I was wondering if you would be willing to be a guest in my podcast for the students. My students and I would be very interested in hearing your take on how we can control our ultimate destiny and how it doesn't have to look the way others might have prescribed for us. Would you happen to have 15 or 20 minutes in which we could record a Skype conversation of us discussing the aforementioned topic so on and so forth? Even if this does not fit your schedule, if it's not something you're interested in doing, just know that I very much appreciate you taking the time to read my email and that I'll continue to be a big supporter of you and your positive work, Eric. Well, Eric, I love what you're doing. Now, Eric, I've already written to you. We've got a response back. Yes, we are going to do this, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell everybody why. This is a very common request. You know, I get lots and lots of these, and it's hard to make everything work. However, with Eric's full description of what he was doing, his passion to help his students have more positive role models, I jumped on his site real quick, listened to a little bit of his podcast. This is what I heard. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once more to another Wednesday Morning Motivation. My name is Eric Andrus, and this is a podcast to accompany my interviews every Friday in which I give you some words to propel you through the week. Today, I want to talk to you about doing the work. Ladies and gentlemen, all too often, I sit down with so many of you that you tell me these huge dreams that you have. You tell me that you want to be great. You talk about being pro basketball players. You talk about being millionaires. You talk about... All right. Now, is that a cool podcast intro or what? I mean, my gosh, I got energized just listening to it. And Eric's great voice... Absolutely. I mean, that, that's going to really attract the audience that he wants. I love something done with that kind of class. You know, so it, that turned the corner for me instantly. That absolutely, I'll do this. Shot him a note. We've already got it scheduled. Absolutely delighted to do it. Congratulations, Aaron. Again, I commend you on what you're doing, your heart for why you're doing it, and the quality with which you're doing it. Bingo. Alexandra says... I'm launching the website for my coaching business, but here's my semi-non-related podcast website. And she has that. The goal is to generate income, but I've since determined that coaching is my passion. Marketing is my strength as opposed to social entrepreneurship. Now, it's a passion project that I will be pausing later this summer when I launch all pre-recorded interviews. So here's her question. Can I start a coaching business from Thailand? She lives in Thailand. I've done marketing for several years with an agency, my passion is to create a coaching business, helping women with small home businesses. 
such as Etsy, tailor their marketing and business strategy to create a model that fuels their passion and generates income. But my husband and I live in Thailand. Uh, my marketing, freelance marketing with the agency pays the bills, but our hope is that I can use this time to launch a business that fuels my passion. I'm not sure how to start or if it's feasible. And she goes on. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, Alexandra. You can do that from Thailand. It really doesn't matter where you are. I mean, that's a cool thing about coaching. You can do it anywhere in the world. It makes no difference. But now to be a prosperous coach, you do have to be very clear on your focus. Now, you, you kind of self-diagnosed there that you've been chasing several different rabbits. Get clear on what your message is. Position yourself as an expert in that area then absolutely you can coach. You can coach, create products. You can do everything I do. I mean, my business is very portable. I'm in Franklin, Tennessee. I could pick up and be somewhere else on the other side of the world tomorrow and continue doing exactly what I'm doing now. The only thing that would have any impact at all is the live events that we do. If I pop in on the days that those are here, it'd still be okay. But geographic location really has nothing to do with it. All right, this comes from Andy. And incidentally, yeah, come see us for um, Coaching with Excellence. My goodness, Coaching with Excellence is the first part of May. Um, we, we've got that. Uh, I'm not sure where exactly we are, but those always sell out. The last one we had, when we had it in February, we had standing room only. We really went over. Ashley was pretty upset with me because I said yes to a couple last-minute people when we really had all the seats filled totally. But we just pulled out some chairs from our house and squeeze people in, had a delightful time anyway. But if you're interested in that, check it out, Coaching with Excellence, coming up in May. That's where we really teach people, equip them. That's where people like Scott Beebe, who talked about getting a 100 times return on his $1,000 investment in the first year. I mean, that's where we get them started. If, you just, if you're really exploring that, I mean, we've got some free resources for you, obviously. If you go to 48days.com slash clients, You'll get my 10 tips for getting your first paid coaching client. I mean, we want you to be successful whether you come to Coaching with Excellence or not. Here's a question. You know what? Boy, that's not going to, I don't want to start that one because it's, it's a great question. What is the most common struggle I see in beginning entrepreneurs and how do I help them overcome it? I want to talk about time and money is what they say, but the real concern the most common struggle of entrepreneurs is that pervasive idea that somehow life comes with guarantees. Most of them have been spoiled thinking that somehow they need to have a guarantee and benefits. No, that's not how you go into the entrepreneurial side. I'll talk more about that next time around. Well, golly, there's a whole lot of things that are coming up here. I know that a lot of you have things coming up as well. Keep us informed. Just go to 48days.com. Click on the Ask Dan link there. You can submit your question, your success story, your new product, your new book. We share all of those as well. Delighted to bring those along. Share those as you are releasing those things. Check out the upcoming events. I'm confident that you have a couple major seminars you're going to attend this year as part of your personal learning process. Be delighted to see you at some of the ones coming up. Social Media Marketing World in San Diego. SCORE in Orlando, 1st of May. Coaching with Excellence here at the Sanctuary, May 12th and 13th. Innovate right after that, May 26th, 27th. New Media Europe, for those of you in London or in surrounding areas, be delighted to meet you there. 
June 18th to the 19th at the Podcast Movement, July 68th. Those are just the ones coming up very closely here. So, thanks for being part of this amazing audience. Remember our quotation for today from Mark Twain. You can't depend on your judgment when your imagination is out of focus. Definitely another event we're promoting, we're always starting to get excited about, is the Ultimate Advantage Cruise. Living well, doing good. That's coming up in February. Now's the time to be planning for that as well with Chris Niemeyer. All the details for that. And finalized all of our speakers and content for that. Check that out as well. Make sure you're doing your own program for personal development. We know that you're doing that. You are in this group. People who are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. It's gonna take all you've got.